Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the everyone and happy the day before 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 Christmas. So okay. I figured that one out. Anyway, I am Ron Kolick, your host, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. And with me is the blind bombshell herself, recovering, <laughs> almost be able to have wine soon, so you Yay! know that she'll be in a <laughs> well, hello everybody. Yes, I'm still recovering. I still can't have my wine. <laughs> yeah. It's so well, sad. You, you wine enough but, anyway. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm uh, certainly uh, much better this week than I was last week. And mm-hmm. healing and doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. So someday soon it will all just be a distant memory. Mm. I hope. And it- yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking about distant memories, I'd like to invite someone on the show now that I haven't spoken to for quite a while. And uh, he is someone always fascinating to speak with. He wrote, in fact, the review for my book, uh, More Ghost Chronicles. And he, in fact, uh, he, uh, Mark Nesbitt, his wife, Carol, and Lainey are in one of the chapters of the uh Lady Daniel, whatever it is, Daniel Lady Farm. And uh, so without further ado, uh, Mr. Gettysburg himself, Mark Nesbitt. Hey, Ron. How are you? Pretty good. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Good. I haven't talked to you guys in a long time. Oh, in a very long time. It has been. At least, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you probably got like 20 books out by now. (laughs) Uh, No, actually... Uh, just one more, and that's and it's pretty important to me. It's Ghosts Eight. Oh gosh! Yeah, it took um, I think seven years between the last book, Ghosts of Gettysburg Seven, and this book. Um, uh, but I wasn't goofing off, you know. I was uh, <laughs> writing other books like uh, uh, Civil War Ghost Trails and uh, uh, Cursed in Virginia and. Cursed in Pennsylvania with our friend uh, Patty Wilson. So I've been kind of busy, but uh, I finally got around to getting Ghosts of Gettysburg 8 out, and it's got a lot of neat things in it, Stuff, some stuff that I wanted to have wanted to get to for a long time, and um, other things. Um, one chapter, which I really think is, is interesting uh, for people who are uh, into the into or and proving that there are ghosts. It's it's a, it's a chapter called Deja Vu. Oh. Mm. Okay. I take stories. <laughs> um, well, I collected stories, you know, in all the other books, sometimes 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I started getting um, repeats on these stories. In other words, it kind of it kind of started off with a group of uh, women from the college who lived in a house uh, that I collected stories from about 15 years ago. Just a ago, this past uh, two years this spring, uh, another group of ladies who lived there called me up and said, "We think we have some 
okay. problems here. So we went over and interviewed them. Um, and sure enough, the same things were happening to them that happened to the group of women 15 years ago. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, and, and I realized that I had many more stories that were kind of like, almost like updates. <laughs> At any rate, that's, that's what uh, Ghosts of Gettysburg 7, Deja Vu, the one chapter, is all about. Cool. Yeah, we are, you are breaking up on us a little bit. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So see. Uh, it's you're going in and out a little bit. So we might have to uh, we might have to call you back on the phone. So, uh, but uh, okay, I can, I can attempt to uh, take out the try this. All right, how about now? Uh, it's, uh, it, can you hear me now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> better better or worse? We can also hear us too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Well let's let's start over. <laughs> uh it, it was so funny because just before we came on the air, Mark was on the phone and I said, uh, uh you know, aren't you gonna be tired holding your phone? And he says, Well, I can go on Skype and I, and of course I my big mouth said sure, so I blame me. <laughs> I blame you too. I know you would. That's so I figured I'd get it out of the way right away. Yep, might as well. Uh, so uh, evidently, Roy is not paying attention. So uh, we'll just have to continue with this case until. Forge ahead. Forge ahead. Forge ahead. Anyway. Bully bully. So, yeah, it's bully bully. Dilly dilly. dilly. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> back to Mark. Uh, if Roy Roy gets in, we'll we'll talk about it. Oh, he's he's getting this now. But anyways. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, you have eight, and you've written a bunch of other. I mean, is there eight books on Gettysburg? I mean, what what could possibly be in eight books? How much material is there there? Well, actually, I do have enough from a material for a ninth book, which I'm working on now too. Oh my goodness! Yeah, there's a lot that goes on and continues to go on here in Gettysburg, mm -hmm. but um, uh, yeah, there, there's been a lot. That, that you know, sometimes it's the same venue. In other words, you go to Devil's Den, and and you know things happen all the time. Uh, same with the Triangular Field. So, mm -hmm. but do you guys want to call me on the phone? Would that be easier? Uh, actually, yes, we can do that. All right, uh, why don't you why don't you go so to a commercial? We can do that right on the air while we're doing. Uh, he, I was going to say go to a commercial or something, and I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can always have Ann sing because she has such a lovely voice. Oh, anyway. that's right. I'll yeah. sing some Lady Gaga for everybody. How about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, if you hang on one second, if you call the phone, I'll go grab it from Carol. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Unfortunately, we have no. Carol Nesbitt. There. You're Hello. On the... Yeah, you're on the air. Why Hi, am Carol. I on the air? <laughs> <laughs> I was logging into another webinar. Why am I on the air? Uh oh, oh no. Hi, hi Carol. Hang yeah. on, hang on. Mark's right here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there we go. <laughs> that was funny. I'm sorry. You can tell. <laughs> uh, next year will be better. <laughs> Anyways. Um, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about, because you, you've written eight books on Gettysburg, do you find that some of the same stories occur 
in the same locations, in other words. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely a, uh, um, you know, re- stories recurring at the same place is one of my, you know, one of the red flags that tells me that gives me some information about ghosts. Um, mm-hmm. And if it's the same uh, entity that's seen at the same, virtually the same place, then it's, uh, I think it's really significant. For example, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the first stories that I ever collected about Devil's Men, I was a park ranger at Gettysburg. And uh, in the morning, early morning, a woman came in and she said, are there any ghosts here at Gettysburg? And cause no. she, says, she, you know, well, this is back <laughs> before I collected any of these stories. And, uh, but there had been so many reports that even our bosses were telling us, tell everybody who comes in with a ghost story, there are no such things as ghosts. And we don't have them here at Gettysburg. In the right. meantime, you know, eight books later. So um, she came in, and, and we were like, well, what happened? She said, I was out at Devil's Den about six this morning, all alone. And I got up on, you know, parked my car. It was a beautiful morning. Walked around, got up on top of uh, the rocks there, and I could see all around me. And I, I went to I said, I want to take a picture. So I went to take a picture. She said, and I, I felt as if there was somebody looking at me. She said, I turned around, and there was a man standing there. And I had no idea where it came from because mine was the only car there. And she said what he said to me. He looked at me. So what he said was, what you're looking for is over there. And he pointed over my shoulder, she said. So I turned around, and I'm like, wait, how does he know what I'm looking for? And I turned back, and he was gone. Ooh. Just like that. Wow. And she, And so he asked her, well, what do you look like? And she said, well, he's real ragged clothes. Uh, he had a floppy hat. He had um, uh, barefoot. Uh, you know, his, his yes. pants were all ragged. His shirt was all ragged. Shoulder-length hair. And, and it, it kind of dawned on us that she was describing a Texan because they had the raggediest, raggediest clothes in the, in the Army because they were so oh. far away from home. Huh. And those were the troops that were associated most with the taking of Devil's Den from the Union soldiers. So now fast forward, okay, just a couple of years. This was in the 1970s. Fast forward to just a couple of years ago. I'm uh, doing an autographing, and a woman comes in, and she says, you know, I have a ghost story about Gettysburg. I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, I was out at Devil's Den, Hmm. and this this guy appeared to me. I said, wait, you, you you read my books, right? She said, no, as a matter of fact. So I haven't read your book. She said, okay, go ahead. She said, and she said, I was kind of looking at my, you know, down on the ground and I'm looking at the flowers and all of a sudden I had this feeling some guy was looking at me and I looked up and there's a, a guy standing there who's not more than three feet from me. And he looked at me and he pointed at my shirt and he said, first Texas. And I looked down at my shirt, she says, and sure enough, I had my, uh, uh, Texas Longhorns uh, sweatshirt on. And when I looked up, in that short amount of time, he had disappeared. Oh. And, of course, I said, well, what did he look like? She said, yeah. well, uh-huh. he had shoulder-length hair. He looked like a bum. He was really raggedy and a floppy hat, barefoot. So she virtually described the same soldier Amazing. that was seen 
at, you know, 20 some years before. So, uh, 30 years before. So same place, uh, same description of the guy and, um, the same historical context that she described to Texan. Plus of course that, that he was, uh, an intelligent spirit, the haunting or an interactive spirit. In other words, Mm -hmm. He spoke to both uh, participants in this, mm. so that, that to me that's fascinating. That's that's a great story yes. that that kind of lends credence to what we're what we're studying here. And imagine how many other people may have had that happen to them, and they didn't know who to tell. <laughs> Never you know? reported it, and just right. didn't want to say anything because they thought people would think they were crazy. So. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Huh. What, do you, what do you think that uh, you get your best evidence in Gettysburg of, of uh, paranormal activity? Did you say where? Yes, where? What lo- location? Well, hmm. Wow, that's a that's a good question. I know I, you there's know, a lot of locations, I, but yeah, is there one that's that's uh, tried and true? It's always going to be a hit. It's always going to be great. To me, people ask me that all the time. They ask, well, what are the most haunted places? Mm-hmm. And it changes from year to year, from what I understand, from what I've heard. Um, but consistently, consistently, it's Devil's Den and the Triangular Field right next to it. Um, there's, I get more stories from that area than anywhere else. Um, although uh, the, the college, you know, has a lot more, maybe because they're, you know, populated nine months out of the year with kind of like the same people. And they're all, you know, a little bit of a, a little bit aware of the fact that the place is haunted. And so, um, there are lots of eyes to witness all this stuff there on the college campus, which was part of the battlefield. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I think either, either those places probably are pretty good sources for, for, uh, tales. So what exactly is Devil's Den? Is it just a battlefield or is it like a, what is it? Rock formation, basically. Yeah, Devil's Den was, um, geologically, it's just a huge mass of boulders that, you know, are from the size of a shed to a barn. And they're all just jumbled together. It looks like they're all thrown in there. Um, And... um, they uh, during the battle, it was fought over. It was kind of kind of a no man's land. The Union uh, troops held it for a while. Then the Confederates came in and pushed them out. Uh, they had advanced across. The Confederates had advanced across the triangular field to get the Devils Den, and so that's why the two may you know they're next to each other. But it but it it, it could be why they're linked uh, in, in 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 the ghost world because so many. Uh, were killed in the area, and um, the fighting there was particularly frightening. I mean, it's like the guys would be, you know, moving through Devil's Den, and all of a sudden you come around a corner, there's a guy with a bayonet to your throat, mm. because, you know, you can't see around the corner. So it was like house-to-house fighting, uh, mm-hmm. so very, very dif- difficult and dangerous and frightening. And so that may be part of the reason why there's so many... Uh, uh, there was so much energy expended there that maybe it still still remains. So that's what I would say is the Devil's Den. And, and now we don't know where it got its name. I mean, that's 
wasn't named that because of the battle. It was, it had the name uh, before that, and so um, I can't. Well, no one, no one really, really knows how it got its name, so I can't blame it on the battle. But it was certainly uh, Bed of the Devil uh, for three days and first, second, and third of July, eighteen sixty-three. Right. Oh God, can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I wonder if it had something to do with you know uh, Native American uh, or early settlers, uh, something happening there because there were a lot of. Uh, a lot more superstition back in the early settlers' day about the land and so forth. Well, I've heard a couple different stories. One was that they found a huge black snake out there, and they called him the devil, and so he was—that's why they named it that. But I, I don't know about that. That you know, mm-hmm. black snakes are pretty common, mm-hmm. um, even big ones. But um, you're right about the American presence out there. Uh, in fact, I, I, I wrote something in uh, um, uh, Cursed in Pennsylvania about, you know, asking the question, was Gettysburg the area? Was it cursed to be a battlefield? Because there were rumors and legends, even when I was a park ranger there, about a Native American battle, a huge, massive Native American battle that took place uh, within a mile of Big Round Top, which would have put it in the area of Devil's Den, and or at least across the area of Devil's Den and Triangular Field. And I did a little more research, and, and sure enough, there, there were reports on it in the 1880s that this mm-hmm. battle took place way, way, way before, you know, uh, maybe 2,000 years before the Battle of Gettysburg. Mm. But... Um, the uh, and the, I think my at least personally for me the proof was I would uh, I get invited you know and as a park ranger I'd get invited to locals' homes you know for a beer or something and mm-hmm. and they'd say look here's what I picked up when I was a kid on the battlefield and they'd show me a mason jar full of bullets oh my god you know, that yeah nice. you know from the battle yeah and right next to it is a jar full of arrowheads wow now there wow. there were you know, you fit more arrowheads in a mason jar than you can 58 caliber mini balls. Mm-hmm. So there was, to me, if, if that was a random sampling of the number of mini balls you picked up, that had to be a random sampling <coughs> of arrowheads. As many, if not more, arrows mm-hmm. were fired in that vicinity as bullets. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, extrapolating a little bit too much, but you don't, you don't fire that many arrows hunting right game. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that maybe there was a huge battle out there and that's at least one piece of evidence that that Mm. would prove it in my, in my experience. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting formation. I know when we went there, it, it was uh, a, a lot of energy there. I know Maureen was picking up on a lot of energy there as as, as well. But uh, uh, the other the other place I wanted to talk about was the uh, Daniel Lady Farm because that's one of the chapters in the book. In fact, uh, you right. are in there. Yeah, and uh, it, that was. Uh, I mean, there was so much energy there. It, it was. It's simply amazing, and, and uh, of course, what Maureen went through when everything else was uh, pretty scary to some people. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to thank you for scaring the living bejeebers out of me that particular day. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
not me, not me. Playing Maureen <laughs> Channel, that that soldier. But I, I, you know, I, I wrote about that in the in the uh, in my introduction to to the book. That that's one thing I I really never wanted to watch is a, is a channeling. And boy, mm-hmm. there you go. You throw me right into it. And uh, it's only because I like. But that room, <laughs> but that room was definitely uh, charged with energy that day. And I've also seen it at another time period when we uh, were going out there to do a a um, uh, an investigation. That room we're talking about for your for the <clears throat> listeners is the operating room that was used it was a southern exposure so there's a lot of light and that was the operating room at the daniel lady farm it's a beautiful stone farmhouse confederate became a confederate hospital after the second day of the battle and uh soldiers were brought into that room they were put all around the room as well the wounded waiting for their turn and of course the operating table was right in the center of the room <sighs> in fact there are the blood stains from the the operations are still on the floor, and you can't get them out. There's one that shows a handprint of a guy who obviously put his four fingers and thumb down to push himself up, mm. and um, they're, they're, the blood just doesn't doesn't can't be removed mm-hmm. from the wood. But Maureen did did start to channel one of those young soldiers who was waiting. Uh, and they went uh, apparently went to pick him up and say, "Come on, son, it's your turn to get your leg cut off or get your oh. arm cut off." And he he uh, uh, Maureen picked up on him, and I mean her voice changed, and and she just she just changed, and she was fighting at not have to go to to get the amputation. So um, that was that was pretty scary. I had the I had the camera. I was watching the camera, you know, trying to film it, and I was like. Um, I kind of felt a little detached from it because I was behind the, the mm-hmm. lens, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, I think it was Lane. I think Lane was there and she was saying, you know, that she, she was watching once that started, once the activity started, she was watching other entities trying to um, basically take over some of the mm-hmm. other people in the room. So uh, they were unsuccessful. Maureen was a little more, susceptible because for one reason or another but she opens herself up that's why she's susceptible that, yeah i think that's it she does and uh um it's no. pretty brave i don't think i i wouldn't do it yeah me neither, me either. <laughs> I, I like control i don't like not having control yeah. so anyway any i went read this thing about that room as mark said there's lots of blood prints on the store now i can't remember where i read it and it may be on your website i'm not sure but uh, I heard that a couple of detectives from New York were in a, a court case, and they they had her approve something about uh, blood uh, blood uh, being uh, being able to test blood after so many years. And they went to that farm and did luminol into the, I believe it was the basement or or the whatever it was. And do you know anything about that, Mark? Have you heard? Yeah, that that is that's true. They did use luminol on the. Uh... Uh, uh, on the boards there, I'm not. I can't recall exactly who it was, yeah. but I, I know they were officials. You know, uh, they were uh, uh, law enforcement officers, mm-hmm. detectives, or something. And this is blood that was there for 150 years, yeah. and sure enough, it it 
luminesced. You know, the protein in it uh, actually lit up when they when they sprayed that and then put um, the um, uh, ultraviolet light on it. And and so you know there there have been court cases where that have been you know people have been found innocent because they they claim that luminol couldn't detect the blood after a certain time period. But there's there's proof 150 years. It's been there, and and it's still it's still uh, reacted to the luminol. Yeah, I know that even uh, at the Lizzie Boyden house, that I believe uh, the History Channel or somebody used luminol in the basement. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, Mark, I realized that we're getting old. Nah. Tell me about it, Ron. Tell me about <laughs> it, man. <laughs> but that's so funny. But, I know. Uh, I know. But uh, you know it's an amazing thing, and and Mark of course had that amazing experience with the the time slip or whatever it was, and uh, whatever finally happened. Did you did you really come up with the theory of what happened that day, and and, and give us a quick synopsis so that we people know what we're talking about? Which day was that? The uh, that was uh, the one they called you, they they called you in because you had to see something in the floor in that room. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty. That was fascinating because I did get a phone call. Oh, actually, we're going to have to hold on that, Mark, because we're coming up on the break. So when we come back, we'll talk about it, if that's okay with you. Sounds good. All right. So you're listening to uh, Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation right here on Tojanet and Parax Radio with uh, Ann Carrigan and Rod Kolick. And we are coming up to the break. And our special guest today is Mr. Gettysburg himself. Mark Nesbitt. So, oh, we still got 15 seconds. Boy, I blew that one, huh? Still got yeah, usually minutes. you're running late. No, <laughs> not, no, no, it's not running late. That's why the, the break is that long. I mean, the music going out is that long so that you talk over it. So that gives you, when you hit the tunes on, that means you're going to wrap it up. So okay. anyways, we are seven seconds. And if I talk, if we do talk, stop Just talking keep now. Just babbling. I am. That's why I can't you tell. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I kind of blew that, but anyway. But, uh, yeah, uh, my new book, World Ghost Chronicles, includes a full chapter on our experience at the Daniel Lady Farm with Mark Nesmith, his wife, Carol, and, and Lainey or Lane. And uh, we'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event? book or something else you want people to know about then why not advertise it on ghost chronicles radio with over 150,000 downloads a month get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject we have a plan at a cost that fits your needs for more information contact ron kolick at any ghost project at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678 hello hello can you hear me my name is harry price i am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. 
The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, Mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our very special guest this evening, Mark Nesbitt from Ghosts of Gettysburg. I thought it was the guy from the monkeys. <laughs> That's Mike. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> Wrong show. I'm sorry. Michael Nesmith. But close, close. Yeah, yeah it's good for me. So anyways, just before the break, Marcus uh, about to tell us about uh, the day that he got called in by the caretaker. Uh, uh, to come back to the Daniel Lady Farm and check something out. So you want to take it from there, Mark? Sure, Ron. Yeah, that that was uh, uh, I, when people ask me what is the scariest thing that ever happened to me. I, I'm not sure if I have a scariest. Like, I certainly have something that's the most unexplainable. Wait a minute, thing see a Maureen was pretty scary for you. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah. Well, that makes it, yeah. when they ask me again, I think I know what. There it, you uh, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this happened uh, in actually in the broad in broad daylight. Uh, I got a phone call from the caretaker out at the Daniel Lady Farm, and he said, "Mark, if you want to see a paranormal event happening right before your eyes, come on out here. Who can turn that down, right? Uh, right. So I on my way. threw all the gear in the car. Yeah." And, and took off and went over there. So it was only, you know, 10 minutes from, from where we stay in Gettysburg. And I, I, you know, I walked up to the door and I had my camera going because I don't know what's going to happen. And he met me at the door. I said, what's up? He says, come on in here. I have to show you something. He, and before we we went anywhere he's in the foyer, he said, first of all, yesterday we had a group of Confederate reenactors in. We were showing them around and everything. And I had cleaned the place immaculately because, we, you know, we wanted to make it look like the Daniel Lady's uh, family had been there just moments before and had to leave because of the battle. So it was clean. And then today when we came in, we found this on the floor. And he opens the door, and I walked in, and on the floor are like four or five long – uh, streaks of a of a rust colored liquid, with some some um, clear liquid like around the edges, and drops of this rust colored liquid that I could see it was in the drops it was crystallizing already. And and the first thing I did is I looked at the ceiling to see if maybe a pipe had broken, and the ceiling was whitewashed. It was it was nice. It was clean. And I said to him, I said, "What did a pipe break downstairs?" He goes, "Nope. This just showed up." And so I'm videotaping it, and, and then I decided I'm going to take some still pictures. So I started taking still pictures. And um, he said, this just appeared out of nowhere. I said, okay. Um, I, and I, I got a, a, a yardstick, and it was obviously longer than this, maybe three, two, three feet longer than the yardstick. Mm. And I took a picture of that. Then I asked him, I said, do you have any uh, a, a tissue? And he said, yeah. And so I got a, a couple of Kleenex, and I, I – 
I dipped it in this liquid, and um, I, you know, I put it in a, in a. I had a a case there, so I put it in my case. I said, I, you know, I have. I don't know what to say. I, I, he says, well, I don't know what to do about this. I, he says, I got to go out to the fields right now and, and, and do some work. So I have no idea what, what's going to, you know, I don't know what, how to deal with this. I guess I ought to call the board of directors or something. I said, okay. So he left and I left. About two hours later, I get a phone call from him and he says two words. He says, it's gone. Ah. I said, what? What do you mean it's gone? He says, I came back from the fields. I walked in here trying to going to figure out how to get rid of it, it's disappeared. Oh my God. Gear goes back in the car. I zoom out <laughs> there again. And once again, I have my, my camera going. And um, I walked in, and I looked at the floor, and it's, it's absolutely nothing there. And he squats down, and he says, it was right here. And he's rubbing his hand where the, the liquid was. He says, right here, right? I said, yeah. He says, what the? He's got a thin film of dust on his fingers. Uh, from where it was. And Carol was there. She said, I wonder what about the sample you got? So she runs out to the car and she pulls, because she, we put it in a baggie and it's it's still there. Okay. It's okay. So uh-huh. I'm like, okay. So now the organization that that runs the place is pretty well connected. And um, so I, I, I gave the sample to them and they sent it off to a forensics lab. The three weeks later, the report came back. The liquid that was on the floor, copious quantities, was blood. Wow. The species was human. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, and the fact that it disappeared, I mean, there's there are blood stains on that floor from the battle that had been there 150-some years. Yeah. Right. You, you couldn't get them out. Yeah, so, this, mm-hmm. is, this, is, this is completely vanished. Like and that was the thing that... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Do you think that was a time slip where where blood from the actual day of the battle appeared and into our time for a short period and then blinked out? If if it was a if it was a time slip, Ron, I walked right into it. Yeah. Oh, that's true too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I walked right into it and and um and that was the only evidence of it being a time slip. Mm. But others had walked. Others had seen it too. So in that room for probably maybe six hours, mm-hmm. you know, there was a time slip going on, and 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 I was there. So it, that that's a very strange thing that happened to me, and I you know, I, can't, I have no explanation for it whatsoever. But I do have the video and 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 photographic evidence of it. Yeah, I've seen the photograph. In fact, that's amazing. Uh, we use one of them for uh, the presentation on that chapter in the book when I do the the uh, talk on it because we you know you're you're prominent on that and that's one of the instances that we, we talk about and uh, it, it's it's simply uh, amazing. One, it, I think it's one of the most interesting things that that I've run into in, in all my years around. So I give you kudos for that. Do you well, have definitely that? for me it was. Yeah. Do you have I'm that sorry? video? Do you have that video posted somewhere, or is it something you just play, you know, when you lecture? Or uh, uh, I didn't know really. it was... I have the I have the photographs uh, in Ghost of Gettysburg Seven of the of the blood stains and and also or the blood the blood itself, and then the after before and after pictures. 
Um, the videos would I would have to I couldn't just post it somewhere I would have to narrate it because you know what what's like right. this yeah Correct. exactly and um, so yeah. no it makes sense very, it it would just be yeah. really interesting I I would love to see it that's all yeah it would be good for a, like a TV program where you could you know mm -hmm. I would be able to set up the time you know time frame and stuff like that but, right yeah we'll yeah, just have to get you up here and have you on the the uh, video show, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> there you go. There you that go. would be awesome. That would be awesome. Anyway, one thing uh, uh, a lot of people may not know is that Mark is also a uh, a brilliant EVP guy. Uh, he he gets a lot of EVPs and and uh, uh, they're very clear. And uh, he's one of those people that uh, when he turns on his recorder, uh, they like to talk to him. And nice. this has been going on for uh, quite a few years now, Mark. Yeah, well, you know, I think I have this theory that everybody is good at something in the in the field of the paranormal. You know, some people take pictures that are just fabulous. You know what I mean? And others others uh, get video. Um, others are are like like you know, Maureen is are, and and Lane and yeah. and Julia are are sensitive enough to be able to pick it up like that. And I'm just lucky that. Uh, audio seems to be, and and I, I think it, I think I'm successful at at Civil War battlefields in particular because I'm I'm so familiar with, you know, the lingo, and uh, you know I know how to I, I know I've read so much and I've written about them and everything that I kind of there's a simpatico there between me and the and the soldiers from the Civil War, mm -hmm. so I think that might help a little bit. I know uh, Robin Lord who takes some fabulous photographs says uh, that she just she mentally asks, you know, may I take your photograph? Mm -hmm. And and that's how she gets so many good pictures. Wow. So I guess you know the human being has something to do with it. You gotta you, you gotta you gotta trust these people. You gotta know that they're there. Mm -hmm. You know, not just say is anybody there. You know. Yeah, and, and respectful to them as well, right? Right. Pardon me. Respect respectful to them as well oh absolutely yeah especially when you're talking to people of the victorian era in our uh of our society you know people would uh you know when daniel lady and his wife went into town she would probably um uh talk uh, you know talk to him as mr you know uh -huh. rather than you know dan or anything like that you know they would mm -hmm. they, they would they were kind of a little more formal Mm -hmm. than we were, but mm -hmm. um, and maybe a little more genteel. Mrs. Kitzmiller, who is one of the ghosts in our house uh, that we run the ghost tours out of, always gets upset when I bring people in, you know, to do an investigation. That, and and the, the media, I can't hear, but the mediums hear her saying, where, where's the tea and cookies? <laughs> She's upset because I don't serve them. Oh, the no. As a matter of fact, that's where we got some pretty good uh, EVP one night. We had we found some, you know, cookies out of the drawer or somewhere. I've been there for ten years. <laughs> I put them in a little, you know, little plate, and uh, I said, "Mrs. Kitzmiller, how do you like the cookies I, I brought out?" And I played it back. Of course, I couldn't hear anything. I saw it being recorded, and I heard this distinct female voice saying, "I hate them." <laughs> 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 she hated hated my cookie. So. <laughs> no, more cookies. Serving no more cookies. No more cookies. We 
We have a, a question uh, in the chat room from Karen. Um, she asked if if it was a time slip, does it slip in both directions? Do you suppose they can see us when the time slips? They can see us. Ah, that's a good question, and I and I don't think it necessarily has to be a time slip because uh, talking to reenactors who in camp at Gettysburg get a lot of stories mm. from them. And I can just imagine someone from the other side, you know, dressed in their Civil War outfit who may have been killed at the Battle of Gettysburg, you know, looking in there and, you know, smelling the coffee cooking and the bacon and looking in and seeing the campfires and seeing all these people dressed the way they are walking right into it. And and right. and the, the reenactors seeing them at least for a moment or two. Right. So it, it, it may not have to be the the you know something scientific like a time right. slip it, it, they could be watching us now you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah well I have to think about that <laughs> yeah right uh, you know one of one of the things about time slips is is you always told me uh, the story about the uh, two two ladies from the college that went in the elevator and they were interactive in that time slip uh, would you call yeah. that a time slip that was a time slip, uh, right? Either, either that or uh, yeah, it would appear to be, but uh, either that or a warp, you know, where, where oh, the, yeah. Yeah. the veil kind of parts just for a little while, and um, they um, they got a glimpse into the past, and which could be a time slip. I mean, you know, it could be the same thing. Yeah, I guess but, it's how um, you define it, right? I, I'm sorry. How do I define it? No, I guess it's how you define it. Yeah, I guess I get you know. To me, a time slip is is where you actually walk into it, right? You know, um, and and but to me, it, uh, it's like it just uh, the veil of of like a window. And it's or probably a yeah, and it's probably something to do with phys you know physics mm -hmm. that it just kind of opens and and you can see into it. The the scary part about that incident of the two women going down and seeing the hospital scene when the doors of the elevator opened is that because they were in an elevator and mm -hmm. there was no escape. You know what I mean? Right. I told you I had another woman that's, that had that experience, didn't I? No. So actually we ah. should, since we've been talking about it, we should actually explain it. I'm sorry. I hate, I always do that. I bring okay. topics without really explaining them. Be, so, vague, uh, be vague, Ron. Be vague. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so Mark, since you told me you're the source, just give a, a quick synopsis of what we're talking about. Okay. The original story happened in the 1980s. A couple of, of women who were friends of mine who were administrators at the college were working late one night at the at Pennsylvania Hall. And that had been used as a hospital at the time of the battle. And it was about 11 o'clock at night and they were tired. So they got on the elevator and said, that's it. We're, we've done our duty for Gettysburg College. Mm -hmm. Pressed the button for the first floor where the exits were. And the elevator went past the first floor in the basement. The doors opened to a scene of a Civil War hospital where there were men lying around uh, in pools of blood. There was an, a, a table, operating table. There was a surgeon with a saw and a, a bloody apron. They're pressing the button trying to get out of there. Nothing oh. would move. Finally, the doors closed. Oh. They went up, went immediately over to the uh, security office and reported it. And, and I, I interviewed him 
uh, because he later became chief of security. He went over. They got back on the elevator, went down. The doors opened, and it was pristine. It was it was whitewashed. It was clean. You know, the cage for the uh, uh, equipment was there, so it had vanished. Um, now, fast forward uh, several years after that, I was uh, doing an autographing, and a couple came up and said they knew the woman that happened to. Oh. But it wasn't oh. either one of the women that I knew. They gave me oh. a completely different name. And this woman, the story was that she was with an auditing firm uh, and doing an audit at Gettysburg College. They asked her to go down to the cars, get some paperwork. She got on the elevator, went down, went into the basement. The doors opened, and the same thing appeared to her. Wow. Now, I interviewed her over the phone, and that she gave me basically the same, the same description that the, that the other two women had, had, had given the uh, security guys. So it may have happened again, but now to me, that's, that's a warp. Okay, where see, I'm thinking that's a time slip because if if you look at like some of the uh, uh, the other cases where it happened is because they, uh, you know, they were into that same period. It's I mean, there's a road up in uh, England where people fall in and out of time slips all the time. So that particular place to me would seem like it would be a time slip, but a, a time warp is is good. I'll accept that too, since I don't know what the hell I'm talking about anyway. So, <laughs> but well, I'm not. I'm not sure either. You know, I would. I would think a time slip would be something you entered. You know, if, if they'd stepped mm -hmm. off, if they'd stepped off, you maybe yeah. that would be a time. But at any rate, it was definitely. But some just time was definitely screwed up. Yeah, okay? but okay. If if they they stepped into it, but I mean, it still could be a time slip just because they didn't step into it. You know what well, I mean? Sure. It's like. No, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I understand time warp too. That that really, well, I mean that's we're talking about, you know, theoretics here right now. So uh Right, right. But but it's cool stuff. I mean, that's why I do oh, this absolutely. stuff and I'm sure that's why you do it. Well you and the history of course. Uh absolutely. I, I have to tell uh another cool story I, I I have with Mark and that was a few years back, oh quite a few years back yeah, now. I uh I invited Mark to come up here. We did some events together, and uh, we went down to the uh, North Ridge and uh, the, the grave of the uh, British soldiers that were there. And, and Mark, of course, did some EVPs and, and got some, of course. But we have an interesting picture, because he's over by the grave, and he's taking pictures of an EVP. And it looks like there's either a, a gremlin, I mean, a little elf or, or a baby on, on your arm, and it's like it's red. It's 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 definitely out of out of. Uh, do you remember that, Mark? Yeah, yeah. That was that was that, was, that, that was weird. Yes, that, that was that was weird. But I, I felt really bad for those guys. I mean, you know, here they are. How, how many? You know, a couple thousand miles from home, and here they end up. You know, in a, in a battle with a bunch of rabble, and they end up dead. <laughs> but, and one of them apparently got got. I got. I guess they they hatcheted him or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, that one. And the other one, you know, in the house there, I was taking pictures around, and I'll have to find it. But I thought I got a picture of someone looking in the window, one of the really? windows there. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I'll have to I'll have to find it again, but. Uh, you know, I always took more than one, and I took at least two pictures. 
And, you know, right, one after another. And in one picture, the face is looking in the window, and the other picture, it's gone, you know, within a second or two. Mm -hmm. so, was, I'll try and that find was, that. The Old Manse was an amazing mm -hmm. place. Unfortunately, it changed uh, uh, directors now, and it's no longer open to ghost hunting. But uh, it, it was great. I had That's one of the most uh, prolific, as far as people seeing a paranormal experiences when I was doing an event down there. I was in the, the uh, bookstore, and the woman from the uh, place, there was about 25, 35 people sitting in front of uh, me, and, and uh, the woman from the manse, the woman from the manse was talking about the manse and some of the paranormal activity that occurred there. And one of the things that they would say is they would find, uh, they would come in in the morning and find a book in the middle of the floor. <laughs> and uh, so she introduced me, and then I get up and I started talking a little bit. And then all of a sudden, one of the books on the shelf behind me went flying past me right into the crowd on the floor. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, that's great. And, and here you had an entire group that all saw it, except me, of course, which because I had my back to it. But that's, oh, that's, that's great. That was a, a unique experience. And it, we, uh, yeah. yeah. Apparently, ghosts have poor aim because they missed you. <laughs> so, what other stories are there in uh, go, uh, Gettysburg 8, uh, Mark? Well, I, I collected some stories of premonitions. You know, oh. prior to the battle, a lot of the soldiers did have a premonition of death, but I collected the ones of the, uh, uh, the people who did have a premonition that came true. And they're probably about uh, maybe 10 or 11. Um, and uh, one of them, interestingly enough, was the, uh, uh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, our famous American author of, of horror, mm -hmm. um, was adopted uh, yeah. by Mr. Allen. Well, there was, this, there was a, a, a soldier who had a premonition of death and was killed out at Fairfield, you know, in one of the, on July 3rd, one of the battles that, you know, went on while the big battle was going on. And his name was his last name was Allen, and it was actually Edgar Allan Poe's uh, his father's real son. Oh wow! Um, yes, his, his Edgar Allan Poe's adopted father's real son, mm -hmm. and so that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, there's another. Uh, I got some stories from a fellow who lives on Springs Avenue. Now you know the only spring that people associate with the Battle of Gettysburg mostly associated Spangler Spring. But there was a spring out um, west of town that even prior to the battle had uh, was believed to have curative properties. Then once the battle took place, it was right in the middle of the Confederate lines. And uh, a rumor went around that said the Confederate soldiers that gathered in that spring were mirac virtually miraculously healed mm. by this spring. So it really, really caught on then after the, after the war. In fact, they built a road out of a town called now Springs Avenue right out to that place. But, it, but it kind of, you know, it, it really didn't catch on or they had, a, they had like uh, buildings for spas and a hotel out there. Mm -hmm. uh, 1917, the old hotel burned. Then the Gettysburg Country Club uh, in the 1940s purchased the land. And so people golfed around where the old spring was, but, um, there was this house on Springs Avenue, and the family was just uh, wonderful to, to share some of their stories with me. Um, 
and 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 they have to do with when they were renovating the house, which seems to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. And they would see this light in the basement, and they would go down thinking they left the light on, but it would be flickering on and off. And finally, they were they had been doing some work in in a in a closet, and the floorboards were up. And the mom of the group, they're having dinner, and she looked down, and she saw this this light kind of float by the hole, and mm-hmm. that was it. It scared her, so she ran out. <laughs> they, they have a turret. <laughs> they have a turret in that building, and they periodically, when they leave, they'd look back, and someone would be standing in that turret after everybody had left. Uh-huh. Um, the dog was affected by it. There were rooms that he wouldn't go into, and, and their grandmother would not stay. They had to get a hotel for her. She would not stay in that house <laughs> because she felt it. So that's that's Springs Avenue. I, I didn't have any uh, stories about that, but I do now. Wow. And several other, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a good, it's a pretty book and a lot of new stuff and a lot of updates on, on as I said, with Deja Vu on stories that I I'd done before. So Valadary Inn is in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Devil's Den and the Triangular Field are in it, and a little round top. So. Yeah. So, Maki, where can people find your books? Well, actually, there you can two ways. Really, you can uh, try on Amazon. Amazon has them. Okay. And um, you, you can also just go to our website, ghostsofgettysburg.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. That's that's plural, ghostsofgettysburg.com, dot com, because there is another one out there. Of course, there is. And uh, yeah, right. Yeah, and you can order them. Um, you know, and we will we will ship them to you. That's that's how you get them autographed and personalized. You send right if you order through our our website. Nice. All right, you could go to Gettysburg and go on Mark's ghost tours, and oh, I'm sure right. you could get one then. Yeah, you can do that too. And I've well, I've been uh, uh, Carol's been helping Katie, our daughter, out mm-hmm. on the weekends. So um, uh, I'm usually there anymore on Saturday nights autographing. Oh, wow. um, not just the, it used to just be the weekends with, you know, the popular weekends, right. like 4th of July and that type of thing. But, <laughs> I mean, I'm in Gettysburg, and my wife is over there working, so I might as well sit there and sign books. I meet go. a lot of nice people and talk to them. So just about every every Saturday, unless I'm out of town, I'm there uh, signing books. Yeah, so, I mean, the, I, the, the tours are awesome, so it's definitely worth uh, – if you're going to go down to Gettysburg, you definitely want to go on those tours. And 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 Mark and I have I, I have to admit we've I've had some great adventures with you and and I, I've enjoyed them all. I know the uh, the engine house was a blast and uh, another oh, yeah. Yeah. another thing I can never explain that that occurred during that night. But unfortunately, we're just about out of time right now because we did get the bell right. We did. Yeah, so, uh, anything else you want to mention, Mark? Uh, no, we're, I mean, you know, we're just we're just waiting for the season to begin um, in Gettysburg. Gettysburg looks beautiful with the, you know, in the craft Christmas. It's all lit up. We're closed, but once again, our, our website's open, ghostsofgettysburg.com. So. Yeah, and uh, one of the, the, the coolest things I ever saw was when I, I turned on the TV one day, and there was Mark on the the travel channel and his <laughs> trench trench coat and hat. And uh, <laughs> that's etched in my mind forever. <laughs> but, 
your your favorite stalker, right? Yeah, that, that was that was. Uh, I I laughed so. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. Did I say I laughed? I did. Stalker. Okay, I laughed at it too. I laughed at it too. Yeah. Anyways, that yeah. was great, Mark. So nice to talk to you with you again. We'll just have to have you back again and uh, let us know what's happening. If anything new and exciting comes up, and uh, I got to get you back up here again too. All right. So we got to go. Yeah. It'll be fun. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you in the new year. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good luck. In today's business world,